Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this next episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eric Rodriguez. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And as unbelievable as always, not everyone in the world knows you. So would you mind giving people a quick introduction to who you are and how you ended up where you are today? Sure thing. My name's Eric Rodriguez. I'm a 25-year-old Colombian-American. I reside in Manila, Philippines, of all places. And I've had in the past up to 40 uh, Filipinos and and two Americans working for me. My expertise is e-commerce working with teams both in person and remote, and particularly virtual assistants and e-commerce. That sounds like a lot of fun. Let's, uh, let's jump straight to the big topic at the moment, which is remote management, right? So many business owners are feeling remote management on their own body for the first time. What do they need to know? Many business owners, they're savvy, savvy ones, and they're very experienced with in-person management, but how you communicate and how you manage a team in person versus remote, it's very, very different, right? <laughs> There's just so much to cover here in, in this question, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think my biggest piece of advice is if, if I would start, you know, we're seeing right now with the Corona outbreak, so many teams that are not experienced working remote, they're by force working remote, right? And for some folks, it's a smooth transition and they're having no issues because they've done it before and they're experienced in it. And for other folks, they're probably struggling just to find a, uh, you know, a, a over the web uh, uh, hangout uh, web conferencing device, right? They're, they're okay. probably struggling with just the, the basics of that, right? But if you want, maybe we'll go from the angle of like, what's week one? If I was to, to start a remote team, yeah, so what's, what's week I, one I think, kind of stuff? I think a great angle is if, if, if we're looking at the people specifically who have, a, let, let's say someone who have 10 people in an office, right? And mm-hmm. literally from one day to the next, they're being put in a position where they need to have these people moving from home. Uh, working from home, sorry. So what, what, what is sort of the top one or two aspects that you really feel is the most important to look at initially? As a manager, like, what do we care about, right? So we care about the attendance, the productivity, and the output. And then on continuing team huddles, stand-ups, and, and feedbacks, right? So how do you continue, continue to do that while remote, right? So most teams should have programs like Slack, S-L-A-C-K. I'm sure that's very common in our community, right? At a more intricate explanation, it should be very much divided into 10 plus, 20 plus channels, departmentalized by, by uh, uh, the department, right? Folks, folks should be using tags uh, to do proper, proper notifications to one another. Um, they can have IFTT set up so that they can get email notification or text notification when it's something uh, time sensitive for tracking attendance. And if folks are clocking in on time and being productive still while remote, you should use a program like Hubstaff, right? H-U-B-S-T-A-F-F. And this program will allow you to monitor what time you clock in, clock out, take breaks and your activity, productivity level, right? And so this is been my number one powerful tool I've always used for my teams. 
the disclaimer I'll say with this with this tool is it's the kind of tool that you do need to kind of roll it out on on day one for a staff member who's had months or years with you and they've had a lot of independence and then you're like hey uh, I want to install a computer monitoring uh, software on your device you know it, it's it's very much uh, <laughs> a concern to them so it's one of those things that you got to be mindful on week one um, in setting up right. Yeah, so, and, and I would say what, like the one thing I always talk a lot with with people is, um, in some situations, time apps are amazing, and sometimes they're not. Right? The the preference is that they aren't needed, um, and and really that often comes down to something as simple as what are the goals you have for the team. Right, because the way I work with people, we we have a lot of VAs working in a business, and for those, you know, the client often likes to have time. But what I would say is that for a lot of things, if you can make goals to your team that are not time focused but output focused, then it suddenly becomes a lot less important with time tracking. Right. So if the team knows they need to do seventeen. I don't know, phone calls a day or they, if they have some specific productivity measurements that aren't necessarily time focused, that is often the ideal way, right? Because that way you, you don't really have to manage people and then monitor people in that way. But a lot of the time, particularly for people who haven't worked from home before, it can be a really difficult transition because even though in, in theory, it sounds great, uh, it can be very difficult suddenly to have all the responsibility and just sit at home and, you know, the, the dog is calling you all the time and the washing is finished and it's so easy to get distracted, right? So it can definitely be a benefit with some productivity tools. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, definitely for a lot of people, the, the productivity tools make a big difference, right? We, we've used Top Staff. We've also used Time Doctor, um, both very similar. And I think fundamentally, the, the key thing, exactly as you say, what you want to do is you want to make sure people use it well, right? And I totally agree on your point. If you don't do it from day one, it's, it's hard to get people into a new habit like that. But if they start with it on day one, it's generally very straightforward, right? As well, so we, we obviously work with lots of different clients, with lots of different businesses and service models. And one of the things where time tracking, even in an office environment, can be very beneficial. If you run, for example, a productized service, it's really beneficial for you to have timings on how long individual aspects of the job takes, right? And that's one of the things that, uh, that at least for a lot of the clients I've worked with, have been hugely helpful, actually start measuring those things. Because when you're just hoping it's very difficult to track right but when you actually start having specific timings and by the way that's not ideal timings right that's not someone working like 100 percent efficient 20 hours in a row right like when you get timings from people you know there is sometimes slack in there and you know sometimes they need the bathroom and different things happen so it's very important to have realistic timings because with a lot of productized services people are kind of they sit down and they're like oh yeah it took me seven minutes to do this thing so seven minutes is what i expect it will take right and obviously longer term that will never be realistic if i may add you know yeah. one reason why i like let's say time tracking is 
it's like the comparison of working out a at-home workout versus going to the gym. When you have the social pressure of you know you're being watched, you seem generally to, to work out better, right? Uh, for, for many of us who, who don't have that as strong uh, uh, self-compass on, on keeping motivated when we're the only person in the living room, and having that social pressure is very important. So like to, to the purpose of time tracking, when you know you're being watched, you seem to work better, right? When I go to an office and I work from the office versus when I work from my living room, I just work much more focused because I, I have my staff all around me and, you know, you're, you're in the work mindset. Yep. And that, that makes total sense as well, right? I mean, I, I, I personally, I, I'm, I'm okay either way. I, I, I don't personally get a big boost from productivity in an office compared to home as long as I have a closed space. Right. So again, everywhere I go, I always make sure that I have like an, let's call the mini office where I can close the door. Because if I don't, if I'm sitting in a living room environment, that is absolutely not good for my productivity. So totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And for all those teams that they're now finding themselves working remote, there is that mental conditioning where your mind gets accustomed where your bed, people, sometimes they work from um, their bed. And that, that's a pretty bad thing to do because your mind is conditioned that that is a place of rest, relax, you sleep. So for folks who begin working from the bed, they'll start very often finding uh, that their sleep schedule, it gets harder. It gets harder to fall asleep because it gets affected, right? And the same thing for working from the living room is you get accustomed that that's, well, that's where I hang out. That's where I watch my TV. And so... Uh, many many folks in our community rent two two bedroom units for for uh, for uh, for the sole purpose of having a second bedroom that they can make into their office, right? So, yeah, yeah totally agree with that. And yeah, it's I, I mean, again, like people are very differently motivated, right? And some people, even if they have a mansion, uh, you know, they really struggle to motivate themselves when they're sitting there alone. Like some people really really thrive on that sort of social bus going around around them and so on right so again this is where sort of knowing yourself become quite important and it's also uh, it's also the opportunity to, to to really get to know yourself much better in general right because maybe a lot of people i expect when this thing is over a lot of people will be like hey you know in the future why do i want to go to an office every day when i don't have to right but there's definitely people who will benefit majorly from keep doing that. And working from home generally is not a thing for all people, right? And that's, uh, that's one of the opportunities with something like this. You get, you get a chance to actually test out some things. Yeah, yeah. I find that some personality types, probably yourself included, uh, you perform just fine when, when you're independent uh, and you don't have that social pressure. But for other folks, like if, if I could pay for someone to just like watch over me and like just chew me out for working slow, I, I, I literally would. Cause I know my own personality where I will work three times faster when let's say I'm on a, a hangout call and I'm screen screen sharing and I'm, I'm working through something with four plus team members watching me. I work much faster than if I was doing it, doing it at my own pace. Cause I'm like, you know, I got people watching me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine, he, uh, he, he found a, a girl to call him up every morning and basically say, uh, talk about what, what's your goals for today? 
what did you get accomplished yesterday, etc. So he literally found, I think it was on Fiverr or something, some random person just to phone him up every morning, not necessarily to wake him up, but more to make sure that every morning at nine, he started work. She, she clarified every day, what's your goals for today? You know, what, what did you get done yesterday? Send me an email in the end of the day with X, Y, Z and, and so on. Right. And, and he, he found huge productivity boost from doing that. Right. So that, that totally relates to, to what you're saying. Okay. Excellent. So, so definitely that was some good advice. So basically getting some time tracking and so on, any other sort of key things that you think are absolutely critical? I like daily standups, right? So <clears throat> even right now, I, uh, even though I've, I've sold some of my uh, businesses and I have a reduced position right now, right now I still have a dozen plus uh, Philippine staff and, and, and managers and stuff for my Amazon business. And I, uh, I'll have my two managers do daily standups with their different teams. And, and basically in that daily standup, it's an, it's an end of day, end of shift daily, uh, daily standup instead of a morning one. And it's like, what did you get accomplished today? And it's like a verbal thing. And so they'll go around in a public, you know, five, six person uh, uh, shift hangout call and they'll, they'll say what they got accomplished. And so you have that social accountability of like, well, I got to present at the end of the day what, what, I, what I got done, right? So, so even when remote, even though we're working remote for the time being, our, our productivity is maintained quite strong within 95% of when we were in person. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's a really good thing, particularly if you're not, even if you're not doing that, doing that in the beginning of having people to work from home, even if it's not a longer term process, I think can still benefit big time, right? Because again, it is about this getting people actually conditioned to work in a totally different environment. And I, I think uh, I, I've never done a lot of daily standups per se. That has not been generally part of my process, but I, I totally see where, where it worked, particularly in people who are suddenly in a new environment because it's a little bit like getting a new job, right? First day on a new job and you're kind of like, how does this thing work? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think that makes, that makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah. I, I love giving comparisons, right? It's, it's so often that folks, entrepreneurs in our community, let's say they're anti-traditional education, right? And I always make the clarification example that like traditional education, it's structured. There's accountability, right? You can, if you have the self-accountability uh, and the motivation, you can learn much faster at your own pace because you can target and prioritize what's most applicable to the career you're trying to go, and you can learn much faster, right? But for three-quarters folks, they don't have that accountability. Structured learning is the better route. And so just yeah. another example to accompany our, our discussion. And, and actually, that's uh, I, funny enough, use that example a lot, right? Like I, I tell a lot of people, I, I feel the same way about structured education generally. And that is because I am in the other camp where I'm extremely self-motivated and, you know, I can, I can sit down and learn, but I definitely know a lot of people who benefit from that structure. Like they, you know, they can't just wake up in the morning and start doing things. They, they need that accountability. They need a teacher that's like, okay, I need this thing tomorrow and, and, and so on. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just different people are different. And, you know, some people feel a bit ashamed of that or whatever, and, and they shouldn't, right? Like the, the whole thing is as human beings, we function and we operate differently. And the, the key thing for you if you want to learn how to be effective is learn to get to know yourself better because the better you know yourself, the, the better results overall you can generate. Great. That is definitely some good tips generally. 
What uh, what about sort of more in-person management? Anything you change in terms of how you manage the individual? Is there anything you do differently in terms of managing the individual, if you will? You know, funny enough, just this week, uh, my managers and I, we were, we were figuring out because quarantine in Philippines has, has been extended from the initial four weeks to six weeks now. And like, hmm, we need to roll out better systems. Uh, and just this week, we're beginning to roll out something called Office Vibe. And Office Vibe will keep a pulse on employee morale and a whole bunch of different metrics. And so now we have uh, anonymous feedback coming in from all the staff of areas for improvement where they feel like they're not being given enough resources to do their job when working remote. Uh, we're able to, to rank morning shift, mid shift, graveyard shift, and the different managers and how they're doing and managing their staff. Uh, it's, it's quite good. So for collecting one-on-one -on -one, uh, feedback, I, I really like you know, this new tool uh, to, to gather and collect employee morale, right? So Office Vibe is the program we're using now, but for folks who don't have something and it's unstructured and just verbal one-on-one, uh, look into anonymous feedback polling because it's, it's, it's very genuine, it's very honest, and it's more effective sometimes than, than someone has to awkwardly give feedback face-to-face. -face. Excellent. I like that. I've, I've never actually heard of that tool, but yeah, uh, yeah definitely something to check out. Um, because I, I think generally in, in businesses, right, actually asking people for feedback and uh, I mean, in IBM particularly when I worked there, we, we did a lot of sort of employee satisfaction and um, so sometimes it's easy to sort of, instead of actually solving problems, managers become competitive and kind of want to cover up their issues. But I think if, if, you're, if you're really sincere about actually wanting to make things better for people like i, I think that's a that's a that's a huge opportunity that right there right i was reading the statistic the other day and i forget the exact numbers but i'll paraphrase but it was explaining it was saying that when communicating 20 percent of it is the words that are used 35 percent is how it's said the tonation used and the rest is all the body language that's accompanied with the words being said, right? And so it's really interesting because it's like, it's so true that even when you're getting one-on-one -on -one feedback, they might say one thing, but you can tell from their body language that they're so uncomfortable that there's much more beneath the iceberg that they, they'd like to say, but they're holding back, right? Yeah, and that, that makes total sense. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on, on behavior, right? And I, I teach a lot of DISC and so on. And, and totally, I mean, that's one, one of the, fundamental difference is actually communicating well with other people, particularly ones that are not like you. It's very much around learning to actually adjust and, and mimic other body language to, to an extent, right? Because most of the time, exactly people, like I always use the same example, but very often, you know, people meet someone new and they kind of walk away and they're like, I didn't really like that guy. I didn't really like that girl, but they can't put a finger on why. <laughs> and most of the time, it's just because they have a natural uh, communication style. They use body language differently. They use different types of words. And, you know, they, they communicate differently in general. And, and it's so interesting to see when people actually learn to adjust a little bit. I mean, you, you don't have to totally change, but, but learning to adjust a little bit, how much more effective that can actually make you with other people, right? And that's, uh, yeah, totally, totally agree on that. On that piece any other things that you think is critical to cover any other things that from a 
from your remote experience that that have been super valuable? I mean, there's all kinds of just super small intricacies, but I think my, my biggest feedback is for any new, any, any manager that's new to managing teams remote, find, find a friend, find a colleague that is more experienced in running businesses uh, remote in a remote sense and, and ask and do skill swap and, and ask for help because the intricacies are just a lot and it's very different and, yeah, it's important to, to, to be informed of all of them. Definitely. And I, I really like that because I think, I mean, asking for help is something that most people are really bad at, right? But luckily, if you will, these exceptional situations, it's sometimes easier for people to admit they don't know what they're doing in a situation like that that's a bit exceptional. But but yeah, definitely reaching out for help, asking for help and support and not not necessarily saying, not necessarily in a way that, oh, I'm dying, but uh, even if you do it and like you talk to your colleagues and you're like, dude, I've never been in this situation before. Like any advice, right? Like what's the right thing to do here and so on. I think that's hugely beneficial in general. So yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely good advice. Yeah. One last, one other thing I'd like to add. So one metric that you will see drop heavily when a team goes remote, that's not accustomed to going remote. And I see this firsthand myself is responsiveness, right? So when they go remote, there's just so much distractions at the home that yes, they might be working their eight hour day, but it's just so many breaks and pauses between and they not, they may very well not be uh, checking their direct messages or emails at the same frequency, right? So I have, I've seen it firsthand with my team and I'm like, guys, please, please, please. Like if, if this is your shift, <laughs> you please respond or acknowledge, respond or acknowledge to the message within the same hour, right? And the expectation I'm setting with you, with all of you is if you don't, you're going to get a call from Eric. I'm going to call you up. <laughs> and I've done this a few times already this week where like uh, folks, it's like been six plus hours and they've not responded. I'm like, you're on shift. I'm, I'm going to call you. <laughs> like, why haven't you responded? And what's the response has been? Well, you know, the typical excuses, but it's about setting behavior on week one. And it's so important because the longer you wait to correct behavior, the harder it is to correct. And so it's very important on week one that you're very proactive and conscientious on, on correcting all this behavior, including responsiveness, because I will send out a project that could just literally take six hours and it'll end up getting dragged out for four days because bottlenecks, problems, questions will arise and they'll wait until their end of day report to be like, oh, well, I got an hour of work done and I stopped because I ran to this bottleneck. And I'm like, no, 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 please direct message me or the manager as soon as you run into a, a wall, a bottleneck, and we'll address it. We'll, we'll respond. Like, don't wait until your end of day to respond and we're going to drag out a six hour project in four days. Like, right. And so changing that behavior so 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 we can work work in a steadily uh, timely in this manner is very important right so when there's a bottleneck people run into a problem message the manager message your colleague resolve it don't wait until the end of the day to be like oh i ran into the problem right and that's exactly because in an office environment where you can just walk up to someone else that's obviously a very different situation than when you're actually sitting and you're kind of like, oh well, there's no one here. You know, I'll just I'll just sit around and wait, right? So that uh, <laughs> yeah, that make, that makes a lot of sense as well. Right, a, a little bit more general management, Eric. So you've you've managed operations for quite a few years. 
I have. I, I probably had my first uh, employee when I was 16 years old, and I'm 25 now. So Excellent. maybe uh, nine years, math is right. So um, what's the one biggest thing that have surprised you about managing people? It's not a one size fits all. It's, it has to be so customizable, meaning that you really must know each of your employees, right? And how you speak to them and how you correct behavior, how you address problems, how you give them feedback. It's so customizable. It has to be because what works for one person will insult the other person. And it's so there's a reason why in, in big corporations, they'll, they'll break up teams into five per shift manager or per manager is, is because uh, after so many staff, so many headcount, it, it's, it's hard for the manager to really know each of the, the, line, the line people to be able to give that personalized coaching feedback and uh, management, right? Totally agree. And that's, that, uh, I think, I think it's probably one of the things overlooked the most by entrepreneurs, right? So as you say, in, in big corporations, they're, they're generally half decent letters and at least in some of them. But I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, right, they, they're, they're always so used to the success being based on them. And they're so busy focusing on their productivity and what they are doing. And they yeah. kind of look at management like being, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, you know, 30 minutes tomorrow kind of thing. Not yeah. the main thing they do. If, if I may add something, right. So I've, if I may, you know, reveal a little bit of my experience, you know, I've, I've sold a, I think one of the biggest mistake I see folks who buy a business make is they don't spend enough. So, so often the mentality of someone buying a business is, oh, well, I know better. I'm going to improve all this. I'm going to take it to the next level, right? And if there's one super important question that always needs to be asked to the old owners is not, not just like, hey, what's been tried? What doesn't work? Of course, that one. But also, what's, what's the culture, right? What's the culture? How have you managed them in the past? And tell me a little bit about each of the staff. What works with them? What doesn't work? Any, anything I need to, need to know when managing them. Because so often where I see new business owners who buy a business mess up is they go in and they make a lot of cultural mistakes in how they manage their new staff. And they, they hurt a lot of feelings and cause unneeded low productivity, low morale, uh, turnover unneededly because they don't, they're not mindful, conscientious on the individual management and what is each, you know, how, how you have to manage each of them. Right. Yeah. I, I love it. And that's, I mean, I've seen very similar things, right? Like very often I've seen it with people who haven't necessarily owned multiple businesses, but they've maybe had one business success and they kind of feel they have the recipe for success, right? And they have a way of doing things and they just come in with that way and trumble over everything else. Right. That was, uh, that's a great one. What, what's the biggest screw up you've ever made from a management standpoint? There are so many, but I, I think the most important thing, I think for an employee is a manager who is faithful on their word and their commitment. And so it's very important that when you set an expectation, you fulfill on it, right? Whenever you, you, you as a manager or as a business owner, you have to be very careful with the expectations and promises you make because you need to fulfill on them. And if you don't, 
it really hurts in morale. And so I think the biggest thing I like to pride myself on is being very careful thinking before you speak and always my, my team's always very grateful because um, I'm known as someone who I always fulfill my word. And it's, it's, it's uh, because I'm very careful of what I say. And when I make an, a promise an expectation, I annotate it. I write down what the timeline is on it so I can make sure, make sure to deliver. Right. So yeah. that's super important. Right. Because it's a two way relationship. There's expectations both for employee and for the manager. Right. And uh, what, what, where have you screwed up the most in that kind of process? Then? I'll tell you, uh, I've, I've had one direct experience not too long ago where managers were just repetitively mismanaging, mistreating a uh, employee and, and how they spoke to them, right? They spoke to them in, in unprofessional ways, repetitively, repetitively, basically kicking them down, right? And um, what ended up happening was that particular employee ended up create, uh, doing employee theft. They, they caused, there was direct and indirect theft, right? So there was the direct theft of rerouted a, a customer payment of $1,200. That was one, but then there was indirect of, they messed up like $20,000 of orders from customers. They heavily delayed what would have been orders that would have been delivered on time. And so mismanaging staff can have a real dollar value impact, right? So yeah, and I, I think that's, it's definitely a big one, right? Because I, I think, um, from from my perspective, at least, I, I see a lot of people not not taking good care of their staff, and and often what happens is it's it's not like they end up being like, oh well, in the past when staff left me, they stole from me, and and the first thing I always think when I hear that is like, you didn't treat them well, because again, there's definitely exceptions both with people, and there's definitely also exceptions with with situations, right? Like I've, I've I've seen a staff member ending up stealing from a company, not not my own, but from another company because their their daughter was deadly sick and they couldn't afford healthcare and things like that, right? And and obviously that's that's a horrible situation, but that doesn't happen frequently, right? In most cases, when when people feel ill-treated and when they feel um when they feel they aren't being being listened to and taken care of, then they're much more likely to actually go and do things exactly like what you said, like either steal from the company or not care enough about what happens to either customers or orders and the likes, right? So so actually making sure that, again, you manage your staff well and in a professional manner is also really, really critical in, in order to avoid that, right? Because if someone comes to me and tell me three, about, three or four stories about how people have done them wrong and stuff and they're like oh i don't want to hire staff because you know they're going to do this and this and this it's always an indication to me that you know their management have not been on point because one thing can happen but if you have multiple people continuously doing those sort of things it's it generally comes down to to lack of management and empathy and so on right eric i think that have been a really really beneficial conversation Anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think we, we should mention or talk about before we finish? Well, one thing I'd love to ask you, uh, yep. make this little fun little uh, two-way knowledge gain. We discussed a lot about managing and keeping productive and you know, operations for, for staff, right? I know even for myself, right, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you have uh, swaying 
let's say productivity, right? Accountability. I know in the early days when I was starting a business, it was so easy to get up in the morning and have a lot of drive because it's an easy goal, right? <laughs> you know, you want that financial security, you want to build the, build the wealth. But I think for me, speaking on my own uh, experience, once you hit that, that threshold of what you deem as, as wealth, uh, you kind of lose productivity. <laughs> and uh, you need to be very careful in, in, in understanding and aligning with what you're working toward because otherwise your productivity will never be the same. <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to know like, like what you do in, in your life and, and what do you think your, your, your big life goals and dreams are and, and how you continually still uh, stay productive, right? Even compared to when you were younger, right? And then maybe didn't have as much. So I, again, this is where different people are very different and that, that is extremely important to understand in that perspective, right? So I, Honestly, money have very rarely been a motivation for me to work. Uh, even like I've worked corporate, I've, you know, managed a lot of people and so on. And I've, I've never once in my life asked for a pay raise just because it have never mattered enough to me, uh, the, the financial aspect, right? I would mm-hmm. say even today, yeah, there's definitely like if you're struggling to eat or if you have kids and you're struggling to take care of them, yeah, there's definitely some sort of higher level of motivation that, you won't normally have, but for me personally, it's, it's generally about what I like doing, right? Like, and I'm like, I do management. I build businesses because I love developing people. Like I love seeing people grow. Uh, I love helping people in general, right? That's, that's what I thrive with. Um, again, when I work, I'm very conscious of making the things that I do relevant to that. Right. So like, I I love talking to people. I love helping. I love coaching, which is one of the reasons why a big part of what I do is management coaching. Right. When I'm, when I'm sitting on calls with people, when I'm talking through problems, I I can do that for the next 2 million days. Like I will never run out of breath. I'll never get bored of it. Like I, I love that aspect. Right. And what I've found personally is that as long as I'm doing things that I love doing, I I have absolutely no problem with that motivation. Now, that said, said, um, what's really important, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs do struggle, is they don't learn to let go of the things they don't like doing, and they Mm. hold on to too much of the stuff that they don't need to do, right? And I think that's probably one of the biggest learning points that I had myself in terms of actually learning to say, you know, I don't like doing this thing. It might be that the world looks at it and thinks that that's something a business owner should do, but I don't like it. So therefore I don't do it. Right. And, and I'm very, very conscious of that. And I, like one of the things, you know, I, I live a lot in the online world and, you know, everyone's always like talking about writing blog posts and writing and all sorts of stuff. And I absolutely hate writing. <laughs> and you know what? I don't do it. I don't do it now and I, I won't do it in the future, right? It's not that I can't do it. It's not that I couldn't write something good and valuable, but it's not where the best me comes out. And yeah. if it's not where the best me comes out, it, it doesn't make sense to keep doing it, right? So you're much better off doing something that actually does motivate you and that does push you forward and yeah, that, that you enjoy doing, right? Like when I'm sitting interviewing people here on a podcast, like I love doing this because it's as much an opportunity for me to learn new things. And I love learning new things. 
Now, does that mean I'll love doing it forever? I have no idea, but I'll do it as long as I enjoy doing it. Now, at some point, if it becomes a struggle, if it becomes that, oh, I have to do another podcast, right? Then I absolutely won't do it. But again, like I've had periods where I've done 100 podcasts in a month, right? And I, I'll keep talking and I, I love it. I love, I love both contributing, but I really love learning as well. So that was the simple answer to that one. <laughs> Agreed. Very good advice. Eric, if people are, for one reason or another, absolutely desperate to get hold of you, how would they go about? I think, I think my present mode, I'm laying back. I'm kind of uh, recuperating from, from having worked hard over the past couple of years. I'm recharging. But uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I can be found on Facebook. Just Eric, E-R-I-C-K, last name Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-E-V-Z. Send me a friend request, a little message and who you are, what you're working on and you know, why we should connect and we'll go from there. Thank you so very much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to talk to you and I'm sure the audience will appreciate all the amazing tips that you've shared. Thanks for having me and everyone stay productive and best of luck. Right, everyone. Stay Corona safe and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.